What up, everybody? This is High Definition Pod. This podcast it is. I'm Maurice. And I'm Therese. And we are back for another episode. We've been on a little, another little hiatus, but it's all good. Um, y'all know what we're about. We're all about having a conversation, all about having dialogue. Uh, we do our best to come from a biblical worldview uh, as best as we can. Um, but we also try to keep it practical. Mm-hmm. You can agree with us. You can disagree with us. Uh, only thing we won't tolerate is we won't tolerate the disrespect. Uh, somewhere at the top or in the bottom or in the comments. Uh, y'all will see a link tree and you can uh, follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can hit us up in our email or hit us in the inbox if you have a question or you have a comment or if you disagree with any of our stances, that's fine. We want to hear from you either way. All right. So without further ado. We don't tolerate disrespect. At all. Gotta say that. VIP invitation to, <laughs> to the, the block party. To the block party. <laughs> so... As y'all can see, we have a guest on with us today, uh, none other than Apostle Rodney Jackson. Aura L. Jackson. Aura. Aura. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining <laughs> us on this episode, sir. Oh man, it's a it's an honor to be with y'all. It's an honor to be with y'all. I'm glad to Thank have y'all you. so much. I feel like brother man from the fifth floor. <laughs> <That's how I feel>. <laughs> <laughs> so. Let's let's get the conversation started. All right, all right. Where does your story begin? Ah, uh, well, it was a lonely Tuesday night in nineteen. No, um, I was born in I was born in Virginia in nineteen seventy five. Uh, uh, to uh, awesome awesome mother uh, father had some issues, uh, but uh, I've been in church all of my life for the most part. Started in the good old missionary Baptist church. Uh-huh. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and educated in Danville Public Schools. Uh, Danville is a very small, very small town in uh, in, um, in Virginia. Uh, ah, gee whiz. Uh, my wife is from Danville. Uh, we met in 1995. Uh, I remember that because I just got a mixtape with Biggie uh, when, yeah. uh, like, uh, two days before I met her. Mixtape. <laughs> I, mix I haven't heard that. You know, I know, right? This was a cassette. It was a cassette tape. (laughs) It was a cassette tape with, I think, Craig Mack was on there and maybe uh, Biggie and somebody else. Um, And so uh, we were singing in a choir together and I was just like, you know, I was just so impressed by her. Um, And I just thought she was the, you know, she was just the greatest thing since sliced bread. So uh, I got in this choir so I could make sure that I could see her every every you know couple of days and so we got to be friends and uh you know it's history from there um after uh my stint in the baptist church i moved over to what they call holiness and uh when i got into holiness uh you know that's where i got saved and uh filled with the holy ghost and um and then me and linda were getting closer right and then uh i joined her church her church was a deliverance ministry uh so uh when we moved over there. When I moved over there, um, I was under um, the um, pastorate of Bishop Roger uh, Roger L. Jackson, no relation. And um, he mentored me and fathered me for, for years. And um, then the Lord told us to come here. And we've had some kind of roundabouts, but I've been preaching. Uh, I've been preaching since I was uh, 23. I've been prophesying since I was three years old. 
Um, literally, uh, my mother thought I had ESP because, you know, you know, my mom was like real spooky. So she thought I had ESP or something like that because I was seeing visions at three years old and I would tell her what was going to happen and stuff like that. And then I really started uh, really moving prophetically around 17. Uh, and so the Lord just really started doing something regarding the prophetic ministry uh, around 2008. And there's some gaps here because, you know, I don't normally talk about myself. But 2008, um, been you know doing ministry and, and came here, and we uh, we started building ministry, and we were affirmed to the office of the apostle um, in 20, 2008. Uh, we pastored and overseen churches, um, and around 2014, and uh, this is the this is the I guess the shift of, of my life. About 2014, matter of fact, um, around right before Father's Day of 2014, I made an attempt to, um, to commit suicide uh, on 85. And the Lord really used that moment to turn my life around. And um, as you know, I was pastoring and all of this stuff and I'm sitting in a mental institution and the Lord said, I want you to shut down everything you got going on. And I want you to go and I want you to sit with, um, uh, Pastor Trey and, and Pastor Angie. Pastor Angie had just preached a women's conference for me uh, a couple of weeks before all of this happened. And he said, I want you to go sit with them uh, and I, you need to heal and you need to receive the directions that I'm about to give you now. And so we did that reluctantly. It took forever uh, for me to get to faith to faith. It seemed like it took forever because I didn't want to go. Uh, God was really dealing with my pride. I just had a, just a, got a new, new church building and we were building and God was blessing. And I'm like, no, I'm too anointed for this. You know, I messed up a little bit. I, you know, I, I had some issues, but, uh, you know, I know you don't want me to give up my church, man. And, and uh, I went in to talk to Trey and Angie on a two, on a Thursday night Bible study. And I was just going in because I wanted to bring a preacher in the city. And I was going to use and going to ask to see if I could use the church. And uh, reluctantly, the words came out of my mouth. The Lord said for me to come and submit my gifts here. And I've been here. I've been at Faith to Faith uh, ever since. Uh, and since we have recalibrated, the Lord has done more um, with us um, in the last seven years um, than He's ever done in the whole substratum of our ministry. And we've we've pretty much done a lot of great things and we've touched mice with a lot of great preachers. Uh, but the Lord recalibrated my life for the kingdom of God. 2018, we started eHub, uh, which is a training and equipping center. And now we have, uh, we're in Aiken, South Carolina. We're in um, getting ready to launch um, uh, a cell ministry in Myrtle Beach. We're in Houston, Texas. Uh, we have a young lady that's starting a cell ministry. I uh, started a cell ministry in Houston, Texas. Uh, we're here in the upstate of um, Greenville and Spartanburg and all that great stuff. And uh, the Lord has been blessing, uh, been moving us consistently. And we just started a school of the prophets um, last September uh, called the Elijah Institute. Uh, and the Lord has just really been doing something different with us. Um, we are trying to move, not um, that we have anything against the traditional model of the church, uh, but the Lord is moving us back to um training and equipping and uh just really preaching the gospel and really providing um a place where people can hear the gospel get the training without all of the um 
where you have to commit to to what we're doing. Right. You know, just just straight um, training and equipping. Um, and uh, we, we have a 501c3 as well, where we're looking to do some things regarding the community to really get community engagement. And um, that's that's about it. And I travel. Uh, we're going to start back traveling uh, here pretty soon. And uh, I'm also a call center supervisor. Um, I, I forgot to throw that in. So, uh, yeah, I do that, too. <laughs> Praise God. You just said a whole mouthful. Yeah, I did. It was a lot, man. It was a lot. Let me take a sip of <laughs> so it was a lot so to kind of un unpack that a little bit one thing you just mentioned was how you had to come in and submit your gifts under another leader after you had already started building building your own yeah. i think um one of the things now this is this is from my observation we have a lot from what i've been seeing i can't speak for Therese or for high depth this is maurice yeah. Well, I, from what I personally observe, it's we got a lot, a lot of people now, and especially in this, in this generation, the millennial generation, where we want to build our own, mm -hmm. build our own platforms, and almost like their word submission is basically a cuss word. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh, BS word. How? Yes. How, how was that process for you? Where you, like I said, you already started building your own, but now the Lord says, "Hey, I need you to, I need you to go sit down." Like, yeah, kind of delve into that process. What, how, how did you have to, you know, try to, how did you go through that? Um, it was it was challenging because the first thing that comes up is um, is is pride. The first that's the first thing that I dealt with was was the the whole pride issue. Um, it was talking about everything that I built, and then I had to look at what I built and where it where it took me. Um, and, or what I thought I built, you know, mm -hmm. um, it was all about, um, it was all about the prestige, you know, I was trying, and I wanted to be like my, my brethren. I wanted to be like those that are really good friends with mine that are, that are doing ministry. I wanted to be like them. And I felt like, uh, I always felt like I didn't necessarily fit. The Lord was doing something different with me, but I still wanted to be like all of them. And for me not to have a church and for me not to be doing that felt like, um, it, it felt didn't feel right, you know? So the first major battle with me was getting over me. Um, then the second thing I had to realize is that, um, you know, you are wasting a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You are wasting a lot of resources and you can take, and you could take, you can take, you could do more if you take your gifts and you submit them somewhere else and be a part of something um, something else. Um, the Lord started dealing with me regarding uh, the church at Jerusalem and the church at Antioch and how there was no, there was no brand on their church. The brand was the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, there was no, there was no brand. Everybody worked together uh, for, to build the kingdom of God. And the Lord asked me a question. He said, if they did that then without branding themselves and without branding what they were doing, uh, why can't you guys do that now? And so, and, and it was a major, it was a major thing for me. I never thought on that, on that. We weren't taught to think like that in church. Mm -hmm. We were taught to think that it's my brand. My brand is the best. We got the best baptism over here. We got the best tongue talkers. We got the best dance, but we weren't doing anything really to, to, to advance the kingdom of God. We were advancing ourselves. 
and we were building beautiful churches and beautiful, and that's that's great, but the work of the kingdom wasn't getting done. Mm. And how I how I can measure that is that the work of the kingdom wasn't getting done in me. Um, I've been preaching, like I said, since I was 23 years old, and I didn't come into the love, come into the knowledge of the love of God till I got to faith to faith. You know, I didn't understand the love of God until I got to faith to faith. And honestly, I really didn't understand the gospel until I got there. Mm. And I've been preaching. I didn't touch mics with John Eckhart. So, you know, all these great names. And, and, and I'm not a name thrower, but I didn't touch mics with all these people. And I, I didn't learn the essentials until I got somewhere and got submitted somewhere, mm. you know. And, and then I start, God started healing me. And as he started healing and purging me, he started, uh, I started to be able to hear him in a different, in a different space. And now I was relevant to building what God was, what God is trying to get me to build for the kingdom of God, you know, cause we could do a lot of stuff and we can, we can sound real good and not be relevant to the purpose of God in the earth. Mm. And, oh. and that's and, and that's where I was, you know, I was oh, yeah. I was I was in a place where I wasn't relevant. And then, too, you know, you need somebody. It's, it's real easy. And this is something I did. And, and a lot of ministers do it. And a lot of pastors do it. You connect with someone that's three, four hundred miles away from you and nobody can put their hands on you to say you're wrong. You need to stop doing this. I see this in you. There's not going to be too long that I be, I'm away from um, Trey Cleveland and he doesn't see if, I, if I'm OK. You know, when I first got there, uh, it was <laughs> uh, I did a Bible study and I was nervous. I don't know. I'd never been this nervous before. Uh, and uh, Apostle Trey asked me to teach Bible study. And I remember telling uh, Janae Winton, I remember telling her, I'm like, uh, when he asked me, I said, Pastor Trey want me to teach Bible study. And she was like, okay, you acting like you've never taught before. I'm like, yeah, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it was just weird, you know what I'm saying? It was just different, you know? And so, um, and, and he, and after I was done, he had notes for me, you know, he had, he was just like, he said, you know, you said, you know, cause I, as a preacher, I'm used to saying certain things and he was, and he put his hands on me and he said, Hey, um, you might not want to say that like that no more. And I had never really had that before. And I was just mm. like, whoa. I said, whoa, you know, and and I, I'm, I'm like, okay, you got any got anything else? And, and it was just something where I needed that. And I'm not saying that's it, maybe it's not for everybody, but I need somebody to be able to put their hands on me and say, you know, this ain't right. This is good. This is bad. You need to watch this. Be careful of that. Um, and it changed, you know, it changed who I was. I got a lot of flack, believe it or not, from, from friends in ministry that were telling me, um, <laughs> man, what are you doing? You know, you an apostle, you know, you, you know, prophet, whatever. Uh, why are you here? And, and they, I, they can't, they couldn't understand that, um, how much wealth I was getting through submitting to another, uh, another man of God, you know, and and my life has been nothing but blessed since since um, and and he I mean real healing and and there's some there's some still some areas that the Lord is um, still speaking doing some things through me uh, for me because of that of that house but um, I've never been where I am now before I've never been where I am now before. Mm -hmm. So let's double back a little bit. 
All right. We were talking about um, training, training in, uh, in the gospel. Yeah. Um, this training is uh, this training is like all around evangelizing, correct? Uh, it's it's everything. Uh, it's mm -hmm. training on the apostolic evangelism. Mm -hmm. um, we're about to start formalizing some leadership um, training as well. Okay. Um, you know, our the first thing we started with uh, was just literally training on the basics. Of, of our Christianity, of our basics of our belief system. Um, and we started confronting other, also we started teaching other doctrines. We started teaching, okay, this is what this doctrine is. This is what this doctrine is. Um, and to bring clarity, you make your own decision on whether, you know, this is not a warfare about whether or not you, like let's say for the, uh, for, for instance, um, you know, let me, let me teach you the doctrine of the Trinity. Let me teach you the doctrine of oneness. Let me teach you the do uh, the doctrine of the covenant of marriage and, and all of these uh, doctrine of laying on of hands. Um, let me teach you so you'll know what it is, mm -hmm. you know, so you'll be able to give an answer to any man that that is asking questions of this stuff. Because what we found out was um, a lot of people was coming to me uh, at one point uh, and they were coming. They said, well, we want, I want you to train me in the prophetic. I want you to train me, you know, to be an apostle. And the one thing that I noticed was a lot of them wanted to be trained, but they didn't know the gospel. Mm. They didn't they didn't know what the gospel was. So I started, I, you know, the Lord was like, you know, you need to this needs to be the prerequisite, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, and this is also going to be the litmus test. And what I found out, believe it or not, when people would come to me and say, "Hey, I want," you know, the Lord said, you know, you know, we start there because you know that's the humdinger. The Lord said. If, you know, that you're supposed to train me in the prophetic. And when I asked them, well, tell me what the gospel is. And they can't tell me. They don't usually hang around long. Yeah. Is, I mean, which, who who told you that? <laughs> oh, you're nosy. Like, I'm like, I mean, like, like so the, the Lord, how do you know the, the voice of the Lord? know the message? Come on now. If you, there's no way in the world you're hearing God and you don't know his, his gospel. Yeah. There's no way in the world. There's no way in the world. The Bible even talks about even when we come, when it comes to prophecy, that the word of God is a more sure word of prophecy. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no way in the world world I can know to differentiate differentiate the voice of God from the voice of my flesh if I'm not in that word. If I don't know the word of God, if I don't know how He speaks, if I don't know how He sounds, if I don't know what His personality is through that word, and especially if I don't know what His promises are. How am I prophesying if I don't know promises? You know, and so that is that is and especially when it comes to apostles, um, you know, I had a young um, bless her heart. I had a young lady come to us uh, several years ago and she was like, Apostle, um, you know, he, the Lord said you're to train me. I said, OK, you know, and I don't fight. You know, if you say the Lord said, OK, we'll see. You know, let's get on the roller coaster and see what the ride be like. And I asked her, I said, OK. When did the uh, when did the Lord uh, what type of apostle are you? That's what I asked her. She said, uh, "Well, um, you know," she started quoting to me uh, Ephesians four eleven through thirteen. You know, and and the only reason why she did that is because she heard me say it. You know, she heard me mm -hmm. uh, talking about Ephesians four eleven through thirteen, and uh, she said, "Well, I'm 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 called to train and equip and all of it." And again, this is stuff she's heard me say, and uh, I said, "Well, okay, well, what did God directly tell you what your what your purpose is in the apostolic?" Because 
you know, everybody has a different purpose and there are different types of apostles. Um, well, I got it written down in the notebook. And I'm like, okay, so you do you want me to wait on you to go get this notebook or <laughs> you want to call back? You know, uh, you know what? And she was like, uh, I'll get back with you. I said, okay. So the second question I had for her was, you know, tell me what the gospel is. And she could not tell me. And I said, okay, so I got some notes for you. I wasn't rude to us. I got some notes for you. I said, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to really identify what type of apostle you are and what the Lord is calling you to do in the earth. The second thing that is vital for any apostle to know is the gospel. Um, how are you setting foundation when you don't understand foundational things? Mm. How are you going to build? What are you going to build upon if you can't, if you don't know what the foundation looks like? So let's get that squared away. And let's figure out what the gospel is. And we'll take time and we'll walk through this. And next thing I know, two or three weeks later, we didn't hear no more from her. You know. <laughs> you popped that balloon real quick. <laughs> you know, but it's it's vital. I mean, we get out here and there are people that are doing and saying a bunch of stuff. Uh, and, and and it's really causing a lot of damage. You know, it, it, it can cause a lot of damage. We The Bible says that we have to be sure we have to make our calling and election sure. Mm -hmm. And if there is not a proper foundation, is there, you know, and someone has to be the litmus test, mm -hmm. you know, someone has to be the litmus test. The Lord told me years ago, he said, you won't be very popular, uh, but you will be prudent, <laughs> you know? And, and I said, well, Lord, I want to be prudent, right? I want to be one that, you know, I, I'm ready to be that one that will, will make sure that we are not releasing uh, people into things that they're not ready for. And I've made a mistake. I've laid hands on people because, uh, you know, uh, pride, you know, oh, look at me, you know, I have a spiritual son, daughter, whatever. And, and they're just, they're just, as, they were just as goofy as I was in a lot of cases, you know. Um, so it's important for us to make sure that we are releasing um, those that are really um, sure in their foundation. Um, so I believe that's what the Lord has called us to do uh, in the earth realm. I got some of your routes I want to take. Um, oh God! Oh, I'm I'm scared. <laughs> okay, so let's 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 take it down this route. Okay. So you have like like you just mentioned, there are a lot of individuals who just don't know. They don't. Let me just let me pull a Larry Reed real quick. Uh oh, Larry. they don't. They don't. They're not paper Bible saved. Paper Bible saved. They're not paper. <laughs> they don't know this. Okay. Right. Yeah. If some someone is watching this, they're like, "Yeah, but I know, I know God and call me. I know, I know, I'm supposed to be up preaching to the masses." Mm -hmm. What do you tell that individual? They say, "Yeah, let's pump your brakes. Let's unpack. Let's." <laughs> if you were to go into this situation, how are you going to handle it? Um, the first thing I do, I ask people, "Why do you feel like you're called to preach? Why do you need to preach?" Because logistically, I was coming down WOZL today, and it's a guy that was out preaching in front of Dunkin' Donuts, and he literally had some speakers and a microphone. So, so who are you called to preach to? What's the dynamic of your preaching? Why do you feel like you're called to preach? And usually, that begins to open up other discussions. Um, I'm a call center manager, so um, one thing that we do is we define root cause analysis, right? Uh, we, we try to get to the root cause of behavior issues. And a lot of times uh, preaching for people 
um, especially people that have been rejected and people that have been abandoned. Preaching, what it does is it fulfills that need of accomplishment. And for them, it's like their gift. If they can get a mic in their hand, now they have a power that they never had before. It's like crack. It's like it's like show enough crack. It's like it's like water, baking powder, whatever the ingredients are for crack. That's what it's like, right? And then they get addicted to it, right? And, and they get addicted to the sound of their voice. They get addicted to, um, you know, revelations without any foundations, right? And mm. then and then when you hold them into accountability they leave accountability and they go look for groups where they can be accepted, right? So then that goes into vagabondism and stuff like that. So the first thing that I wanna find out is why do you feel like you have to preach? Why are you called to preach? And if I don't hear the gospel, if I don't hear anything about Jesus, if I don't hear anything about, you know, that the pertinent stuff, you know what I'm saying? The, the basic stuff, then normally, you know, we have to have a few more conversations. You know, we need to we need to really dig down into let me. Well, tell me about your tell me about how you grew up, mm -hmm. you know, and then we start. What happens is, is we start to expose the rejection. We start to expose the abandonment and then we need to turn around and we need to get this person delivered. You know, or we need to get this person into some 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 strong deliverance. And then after you go and then we need to see how you're going to deal with deliverance, because a lot of mm -hmm. people can't handle saying, can't handle hearing, no, I don't need to preach, I need deliverance right now. And because they can't handle that, that's another indicator for me that you're not called to do this, or you're not ready to do this, not necessarily that you're not called. Because the Bible says it clear, many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. You know, there's a process from called to chosen um, that we need to really look at and dig into. So um, it, a lot of times, and I had to learn, because people would tell me they were called to preach, and I would be so, oh my God, you know, and you want me to help? Oh, and that was because I had, I had, I had abandonment issues. You know, I was rejected. So anybody that would cling to me, you know, I was like, yo, <laughs> you know, we're building a kingdom. Yeah. And that's, and that was not what God was looking for, you know, and I had to get, I had to get broken down to my lowest compound to really, really understand that, right? To really gauge that. So um, a lot of times when people come to me and they are expressing um, interest in ministry, um, I, I really, I ask a lot of questions and we, 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 dig into, we dig into the surface of that thing to see where that need to preach is coming from. So I'm trying to, Am I doing all right so far? No, you're doing great. You are okay. doing great. Because <laughs> I was like, face in there. are they going to talk about Roe v. Wade? Uh, no. I was, you know. <laughs> we might go there. But because, you know what? Since we are, since you mentioned it, because one thing I think I told, I was telling Maurice the other night, yeah. one thing that stuck out to me was I remember when it was, um, we had midnight prayer. And this was election, the election between Hillary and Trump. 2016. 2016. I and I remember you, literally, I it was there in Midnight Prayer, you said there was going to be something major in regards to Roe v. Wade. Um, wow. And I remember, I don't know if it was at Midnight Prayer or we had went out to eat at Hickory Tavern. 
And I remember you discussing it. This is back in 2016. And I'm sitting there. I don't there remember and I'm, that. You don't remember it? I remember I remember, I remember it. Because we were eating that. We, we, ate out, we ate outside of the patio. Oh, and wow. I remember you saying it. And then the other day when this happened, I was like, yo, that's crazy. Because, wow. you know, it's a, it's a monumental thing. Yeah. Um, very polarizing. As we have seen on the social media airwaves, theory, um, a lot. And the one thing that, um, it, going back to saying, do people know the gospel? Yeah, I have seen a lot of people who, this is my stance on it, are doing church and not being the church. The decision, they're not too happy about it or i mean me for a fact i'm not celebrate i haven't celebrated because yeah. one the one thing i was telling maurice i was like i'm, I'm kind of grieved about the decision mm. and it's not because it's not because um i disagree with the decision i'm grieved because one there's gonna be a lot of people in the church that will turn their back because of the decision yeah. number two one, we there's going to be a lot of work that is going to have to be done on our ends. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to basically just write us off as individuals. Absolutely. Um, and but the thing I the thing I realized is that you know they they hated Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. his own people turned their backs on him. You know what I'm saying? So I mean. So when the decision came out, you know, how was, uh, what was your initial response? Uh, I was, uh, I was grieved. I was, I was so grieved. And, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, they hated Jesus, you know, but they didn't hate Jesus because Jesus caused them to hate him. Right. You know, you know, Jesus was just Jesus right. and he was doing his Jesus thing. And, you know, it wasn't because he was going around going, you know, yo player, I'm Jesus, you know, fall in line, the towel, and then fireworks go off. It wasn't that, you know, it was it was because he was going about the Bible says that he went about doing good. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and this was more of a I when I went through Facebook, I got so grieved because I saw the saints um boasting in this thing. Yeah, uh, they were, and it was really hardcore. And it was like, um, I really, it, friends of mine, preachers, um, were going, you know, ham and turkey. They were just going in. And I, I began, I know people, I know women that have been um, in situations where they were abused um, and they had children, um, you know, or they, they had to make the decision whether or not they were going to. Um, put children up for adoption. I know women that were raped and, you know, all of these, and it's, it's so much that we don't, it's already a trauma. It's already traumatizing to have a child, you know, but to have a child on top of the trauma that brought that child here, that's another thing, you know, that's a whole other compacted trauma. I think what we do is the body of Christ. And I don't even want to say the body of Christ. I think what we do as westernized, uh, as a westernized Christianity culture, 
is we lump people that have abortions in with people that are using abortions as birth control. Right. You know, and we don't look at the other cases and the other. I really do not believe. Uh, I believe. Well, let me say this. I believe God is a God of choice. I'm, I know I lost about 200 people right choice, there. Right. True love gives choice. He it gives choices. And he said, I said before you two ways. Right. And it, it, he tells us and he tells us, shoot, he tells us what to choose. But he says, I'm not going to take the choice away from you. Right. And even as the body of Christ and these are even even as ministers, we are not to lord over God's people. We're not to manipulate. You cannot legislate righteousness. You cannot legislate righteousness. We cannot legislate the will of God. This is a this is a uh, it's a republic and it's a, a democracy. Right. We cannot. There are, you know, I'm going to really mess up. Um, so. The evangel the evangelical Christian way of looking at this thing is that America is America is a Christian nation, and 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 honestly, it's not. We're a nation I know. Christians. We're a nation with Christians in it. We're also a nation with Islam in it. Exactly. This is this is really modern day Rome. Yes, that's true. Yes, right? it's modern day Rome, um, and, and it's it is also it has it has those highlights of a Babylonian culture as well, you know? Um, so, you know, we, we're trying to legislate the love of God, making people say, listen, uh, because this is how we feel about it. If we're in the majority, then we're going to make laws that say, you know, you, you can't have now, but what people are not understanding, and this is what I want to get to, um, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, we don't want, we don't want to see, people uh, or, or babies, you know, killed in the womb. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. But at the same time, when we're talking about this pro-life movement, and it's really not a pro-life movement, and, and I'm going to be Malcolm X for a moment. So please forgive me. My no, wife is my, my wife is Martin. I'm Malcolm. Right. Um, I'm going to say this, that this movement is a pro-birth movement. It's not a pro-life movement. If it was a pro-life movement, then we would be concerned with uh, young black men that are unarmed getting killed in the streets. We're, we're not. No one was really that concerned about the the, the shootings in Chicago, you know, and um, the murders in New York back in the eighties and nineties, or uh, in 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 California, you know, when crack the crack epidemic hit. Ronald Reagan was putting crack into <laughs> into the United pumping crack uh, to uh, uh, to fund the Sandinista government you know, back in the eighties and nobody cared. Nobody cared as long as it didn't hit a certain people group. It was mm. cool. Um, I looked at some, some, uh, I looked at some numbers and, um, and it was really, really shocking. I looked at uh, some numbers and 34% uh, in this one poll that I saw, 34% of white women uh, have had abortions. 37% were African-American, 22 were Latinos, and there was an 8% that was other. Yeah. And and what hit me from that, um, and there's a book that you guys, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but there's a book that talks about because of the decline in the Caucasian population, that one of the main things that needs to be done is they, they're saying that they need to have more babies. It wasn't until white women started having abortions 
that now all of a sudden around the 70s, 60s, you see this, this movement come through evang the evangelical, evangelical church about this pro-life this pro movement. And it was, it was founded by Jerry Falwell. They were really pushing the pro-life agenda and that pro-life agenda was against abortion and all this stuff. And when Roe v. Wade happened, uh, it was a major hit to Jerry Falwell and those guys, right? There's a couple of documentaries about this. Um, so Jerry Falwell's big thing was before he left the earth, he wanted to see a Roe versus Wade overturned. So now this is one big thing of the of the evangelical community was to see Roe v. Wade um, turn, turn over. Uh, and it's basically because of the fact that most evangelical Christians are, you know, they're worried about this, this decline in them having the majority, you know? So some of this stuff goes back into racism and, and white supremacy. Uh, so I, I apologize for being Malcolm, but I just, I, we gotta look at this stuff because hey, what we don't understand, you know, what we don't understand, there's another factor to this as well, is that, um, you know, if this is the will of God, which, which I'm not saying that, that God wants us killing babies, right? I'm not saying that, but if this is the will of God, then why did three justices lie during their confirmation concerning Roe v. Wade? They were point, every one of those justices were asked, the three that Trump um, put up, every one of them were asked, would you overturn Roe v. Wade? And they all three said, no, we won't overturn Roe v. Wade. Then they got into it, and now next thing you know, it's overturning Roe v. Wade. What we don't understand is, is that this is just the beginning. You know, there are a lot of rights that are going to be sacrificed based on this precedent. And, and really, honestly, um, it's going to be the, you know, this is going to make it harder. How, how are we going to witness, you know, and that's, this is what I've been praying. God, how do we witness of your glory? How do we witness to your gospel with all of this hanging over, you know, how we're acting, how we're carrying out because of this decision. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, um, we're going to do more harm. This, this, this will do more harm than it would do good for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Yeah. One of the, one of the things about it, um, I, I mentioned that Maurice was, uh, my, my, my stance has always been this. It's, it's, you know, when you, when you harbor a certain feeling in your heart for something, regardless of outside control, you still have that feeling. Yeah. So even if like abortion becomes like illegal, which I mean, they're going to throw it back to the states. So states yeah. implement the restrictions and everything. Yeah. And so like, even if I, I, I a woman harbors the fact that you know, she won't like, I, I want to, I want abortion. I want abortion. Even if we make it illegal, it's still there. It doesn't yeah. change the fact that it's there. And you know the only the thing is that we as uh, the body have to get the gospel to the people because Christ is the only thing that can change a heart. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Like that's really that's is it. like regardless of what the decision is. Yeah, we got to give the people the gospel. And one of my biggest things is I never want us as the body to just take our hands and sit on them yeah. and let legislation be the the thing that does the witnessing for us. Which is not going to do any witnesses, you know. My thing is like, I think sometimes we get complacent. 
Yeah, absolutely. We want laws to carry out our agendas. But we ain't giving nobody no Jesus. We ain't. We ain't. And then we're rejoicing without any resolution. Right. Mm -hmm. We we have no what are we going to do now? And this is this is something I just talked to some brothers about. And, and you know, a, a, a few of my apostle friends, I, I said, fellas, what are we going to do um, with with it? What are we going to do for them? You know, what are we how are we going to support these 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 women? How are we going to support them? How are we going to um, how are we going to care for them? Um, and how are we gonna handle the heart issue, right? Yeah, you, you said something that's that's very, um, you know, we, we've had a lot of trauma as a people because of rape, molestation and all of this stuff. And, and, and we, don't, we don't talk, you know, we, you know, we don't talk. We just, we just carry stuff over, we, we power through, right, as a people. And, and there's so many, and not just us as African-Americans, but so many people have dealt with so many traumas and they end up taking those traumas out on those children, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we how do we support the this new this new makeup, right? How do we support them in that in that feeling of being trapped with no answers? The the body of Christ ought to have the answers. Mm -hmm. We ought to be able to speak to that. We ought to be able to minister to that because that is what that and the gospel and that is the gospel. That is the, the gospel. Literally, is good news, right? How how do we be the conduit of good news mm -hmm. in this now Roe v. Wade post generation? Yeah, you know how do we do it? You know, and this is not just going to be Roe v. Wade. They're already talking about um, you know the Marriage Equality Act, yeah. right? They're talking about contraception. You know, how do we be the light even in these circumstances that are coming up? And it might be, it might get down to the, because this is all attacking the 14th Amendment. So how, what do we do when it gets to Brown versus the Board of Education and segregation? Mm. You know, how do we, how do we survive? How do we, how do we carry the gospel through these uncertain times? Do we sit back and just shout and dance about it? Act like it's not going on, <laughs> you know, make a post, <laughs> you know, uh, or whatever, or do we, you know, what do we do, you know, and, it, and it's time for us, um, you know, this is one thing that irritates me, uh, especially with prophets and prophetic people. Uh, we got a word for everything else that ain't really, really re relevant. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get a new house, you're going to get, and that's fine. New houses are great. We've been prophesying new houses since the 70s, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, we've been, and, and we've been preaching, it's going to get better after a while. Yeah, but but how do we operate? How do we operate in in a present or, or, or as um, John Eckhart would say, a present truth, mm -hmm. and be effective and relevant in the present truth? How do we carry the gospel and make it relevant currently? Mm. Right, not 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 Jesus coming on a Hyundai around yeah. the corner, but how do we make <laughs> it? How do we make it? How do we make it plausible for right now? Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, because, you know, a lot of places I can't go to um, simply because I'm tired of hearing, you know, I'm tired of hearing this thing. It's going to get it's going to get better after a while. Holding your ear, passing gas, hooping, whatever they do up there, you know, and they're and they're and you're not giving me any answers. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
Because one thing I've, I noticed is Will will sit there and go, oh, you know, you homeless? The Lord, the Lord's gonna, gonna bless you. He's gonna warm you, he's gonna fill your belly. And yeah. then walk away. But they still cold, they still hungry. They but, still you know, cold and hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like the gospel is, is like you said, it's good news. Like it's two parts to it. It's I'm gonna give you the word of God, but I'm also gonna be a need and a necessity yeah. that you need at this moment. Mm -hmm. So if someone is cold and they are hungry, yeah, I'm gonna preach the gospel to you and tell you to go and be warm, but I'm also yeah. gonna give you a jacket. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna give you some. I'm gonna give you maybe a couple of dollars to go to get something to eat. You know, it's it's not just it's not it. It's action. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Like, I can give you absolutely. faith all day long, but it, where's the work? Yeah. Where's the action at? That's what that's what is going to draw people to us. Yeah. Well, to, yeah. not to us to Christ. Yeah. Is when we Absolutely. are out there not just saying things, but actually doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are like, oh, that's socialism. Like, oh. it's, 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 it's being a good person, a, a, a Christian person. Like, he didn't just give the people a word. He fed them. Physically. He fed them. He fed them. You know what I'm saying? So like, one thing that we, like, in the body, like, we can't just be talking, but we got to be actually out there doing stuff, man. Got to do, got to do something. Yeah. I mean, we we can't. Uh, it's, we, it's too late in the game now, uh, and we're addicted to gifts. Oh, you know, yeah. we talked about we we talked about cocaine and and and, and crack or whatever, but we're addicted to that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we're addicted to gifts and gifts. They, you know, and 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 all of this stuff. It soothes us so that we don't have to deal with really. And and I honestly believe. One of the greatest weapons of the enemy is the the religious entertainment that we crave. I agree. Yeah, oh, yes, I agree. That's the, the enemy don't have to do much. All he got to do is keep us keep us going. They've been doing the same thing for forty years. You know, they've been doing this. They've been oh, they're gonna run around the church now. Mm -hmm. All right, they're gonna they're gonna get their money. All right, cool. They're gonna dance. Up, oh, here come a thousand dollar line. You know, and that, and it, it, nothing wrong with giving your money. Nothing wrong with support. Not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that we're in so many entertainment cycles that we, unless I hear my favorite song, we ain't heard, we ain't had church, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we're still in the same predicament we we've been in as a, you know, a cyclic predicament, um, and no one is getting help. And that's why people look at the church and they're like, why? Why should I go over there? Yeah, you know. Why should I do that? At least in prisons, uh, Islam going, <laughs> Islam is in the prisons, and and they have they have a connection point for when they get out. Them them brothers have jobs, you know. Them brothers have something to look forward to, um, and they're pushing and they they push a dynamic that is so forceful. The world don't even talk about the fact they don't call them homophobic. Y'all notice that? They don't call Islam. They don't call Farrakhan homophobic. Nope. And they are they are against it. They're so against it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they are hardcore against it, right? Yeah. But you don't hear them being called homophobic. But you hear because but because the church hasn't the westernized Christianity movement has not shown anything but the entertainment factor. But you know something too to add to that? This yeah, the fact that we don't hear that. About yeah. It. Also, that's a thought I had a while back, a long time ago, and I said that 
the doctrines of the devil will not attack each other. So anything <laughs> that's good, man. Anything that yeah. is is on the side of Satan, they're not gonna attack yeah. each other. No, I'm coming like it, but you're yeah. not gonna do that. You're not Yo. like you said, no. like if you if you if you open up the Quran and read it, they are firmly against it. Yeah, if you don't hear that, you don't hear you that. don't you don't hear nothing about won't. them. There, listen, there's so many passages in the Quran concerning slavery. But whenever whenever you hear somebody want to come against Christianity, they talk about slavery. Yeah. You know, and these guys had a whole bunch of slaves, you know. Yeah. And, but yeah, you know, so man, thank y'all for letting me just get on here and holler out. You know, oh, oh, we just dialogue and having conversation, but Praise um God. let's let's talk about the, the millennials, the millennials yeah. for a minute. Um before we go there. No, I, we'll go ahead. Go ahead. I, I got a question. Kind of yes, Kind of put a bow tie on kind of Roe v. Wade, but also on the other stuff too. How can how in your perspective, how can we? Because you mentioned something earlier mm. about us building and advancing the kingdom yeah. versus us just doing church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm of the belief that us advancing the kingdom is also us engaging with culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, from your perspective, how can we as the church? properly engaged culture mm -hmm. especially with so we just talked about roe v wade mm -hmm. but let's also talk about you know um we we hear it all the time if you're on social media how they're trying to like take kids to drag shows and oh yeah doing all that type of stuff um with the other stuff they got going on uh all, all this just foolishness yeah how can we at the church yeah. engage these conversations and engage these particular this particular stuff that's going on while advancing the kingdom as well, because I'm of the belief that we just stay stuck in the four walls. I think that's probably why everything's going on. We we so stuck in the four walls, we let the devil have education, we let them have government, mm -hmm. all that. So yeah, from your perspective, how can we how how should we be engaged in culture? Um, I think the best way we could do it is um shut up and have a conversation right um it's it's the thing about tell me tell me about your experience not me saying you know oh i'm gonna give you this word because yes. you got on that makeup boy you know no tell me tell yeah. me what you, tell me about yourself tell me you know um while we were on site um there were a, a lot of people that were in the lgbtq that um that were either worked in the call center or they worked directly for me and i just started talking to them you know about who they were you know and about their life and they started just opening up to me and you know i learned a lot you know i learned a whole lot about them and i learned and i saw certain patterns and i knew how to pray mm -hmm. you know for them you know when i saw and it wasn't so much that i was trying to you know you need to come get saved you know it wasn't it wasn't that they already know they know where they're going they already know yeah you know you don't have to beat them over the head uh it's literally listening to them and being there for them finding out about them um mm. not trying to change them and i think that's we we mess up because we want to change people based on based on us yeah that's not our job and that's not our job 
you know, it, it's it, it's it literally is God is responsible for His word, and if we and listen, if love is in us, then love is exuded, right? Um, and and that person will that person will say, hey, it's something about you, and you get to tell them it's Jesus, you know, and you get to tell them good news, and they probably never heard good news. I was talking to a girl one time. She she grew up in a in a really religious church. She's a uh, she's she's a, a homosexual, and she said to me, um, we were talking, and she, you know, we had some deep conversations, and um, a door opened, you know, based on a trauma that happened with her, and a door opened for me to say to her, hey, you know, it's okay, you know, you're not there anymore, you know, look at how good God is, right? And I said, this is what the gospel is, it's good news. And the good news is that he brought you from there to here, right? Mm -hmm. Just something simple. And she said, you know, I've never heard the gospel before. She's been, she was in church all of her life, but never heard the gospel. What she remembers, though, she remembers when they made her get up in front of the church and apologize because they caught her with a girl. That's what she remembers. The trauma. She remembers the trauma. But she doesn't remember hearing about the gospel. Yeah. You know, so those are the things that, you know, and, and yeah, sometimes you get upset. What's going on with the culture? Ah! And, you you know, you want to strangle everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> you know, but it's not uh, it's not conducive for. And a lot of times that's God showing you that there's something still in you mm -hmm. that needs to be dealt with. Right. And and so what I'm learning is, is, you know, how do I be? How do I be that um, transponder, right, of the yeah. kingdom of God? How do I be that um, that that mirror to reflect Christ? You know, and, and in order for me to do that, I got to make sure my mirror clean, right? Ooh. I got to make sure that none of my issues are in the way, and that I've dealt with all of my own prejudices. We need to have, we need to shut up and have a conversation. We need to listen yeah. to people. We need to figure out where they're. We need to find out where they're coming from. And be able to hear it without debating them about it, and you know. Because it's funny, I had this conversation the other night. Yep. But because um, I was, because I mean, literally, like the one thing that I'm, I've learned, uh, just I love people. Yep. Yeah. I love yeah. people. I mean, you can ask my wife. I'll strike up a conversation with the person who furthest looks anything resembles <laughs> anything like me. Yeah. In a heartbeat, we'll be in the middle of Walmart. I'll just be having a conversation with some 70 year old man who's wearing a Confederate flag hat on his head. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, it doesn't, I, I just, I generally love people and I, I, I know that God loves them too. Yeah. You know, we may have different beliefs, we may have different ideologies or whatever, but God's, God's still, it doesn't change the fact that God still loves them. Now, he might yeah. not, you know, he might not, he, he's not you know, accepting of what they do. Yeah, he believe, but he still loves them. Yeah. And the one thing that I, I'm a big proponent of is just having a conversation with people um, because yeah. people are very layered. You yeah. Know, we see a person's issues and we want to label them that. Yeah. Oh, you're gay. Ah, that's what you are. You're gay. I'm writing you yeah. up. I, 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 listen, so who are you? What is it about you? You like basketball? I like basketball. You like football? I like football. Who's player? LeBron James? Oh, wow. I like LeBron James. People are very layered. And the yeah. one thing that I truly, truly do believe is strategy. Yeah. And I believe that once we understand who a person is, the Holy Spirit reveals strategy. Yep. And he yeah. opens up a doorway 
for us to be able to give the gospel mm-hmm. a way that they can adhere to it and catch it. Yeah. Because a lot of yeah. times we just try to, like you said, just rah, 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 and it's just doing this. Yeah. It's not going in, going here. We're doing, yeah. we're doing like Peter. So when Jesus was in the garden with Peter and they came, Peter took the years off. Yeah, exactly. We're taking the sword, and, and scripturally speaking, the sword represents the word. We're trying to take the word, and we're cutting off their ability to hear. Yeah. So yeah. we we got to be able to we got to be able to find a way to yield the word in such a way that it is pliable for people. And I, I, I know yeah. I know I know for me, I'm I'm being honest. I can be very I can be very strong and kind of dogmatic, and, and that's why I'm here. Every time, like. Yes, sir. But I, but, I, but I think we, we got to learn how to be strong in our convictions, yes, but yet still right. be able to have these conversations yeah. because yeah. My, my convictions are my convictions. Yeah. Nobody's going to change, change that. that. No. Yeah. But I, I am willing to have a conversation. And I think one of the reasons we do have this, this culture clash specifically with Christians versus the world is a lot, is a lot of Christians, you know, they, they know what, they know what the Bible say. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to stand on. Yeah, people that come in and see that like, nah, y'all, y'all not trying to budge, but no, we can still have a conversation. Right. And I think that's where the battle is that we're fine. We don't know how to just sit and have that that conversation. Like, no, y'all not gonna change my my convictions, but I can still talk with you. And yeah, I love the fact that you know you said we're trying to be like Peter and use that mm-hmm. that knife or a sword and cut. Yeah, what we should be doing is we should be seeing a person's wound, taking that knife opening up that wound and then finding, given what it's the problem is, we find that infection, yeah. give the gospel, gospel yeah. that out. Yeah. And then yeah. we take that same thing and we suture so, it back up. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's so many that I don't- There's so much in that. Yeah. There's so much in that because you have the tool is what, how are you using the tool? Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, you, you have you have it. And then it's, it's the whole Jesus aspect. You know, he, the ear, he cuts, Peter cuts the ear off. Jesus picks the ear up, puts it back on him. Yeah. And, you know, as a restoration thing, you know, yeah. uh, I'm going to restore you where you are. Right. I'm going to, res- Jesus is restoring him where he is. Peter is cutting his availability to hear Ooh. Jesus off. Right. But yes. Jesus says, I know I'm going to restore your healing. And we have to we have to play that role now. You know, a lot of times one, one of the major theological discussions is uh, we know a lot about Paul and his writings and mm-hmm. his his convictions. But we don't really know a lot about what Jesus did and taught and what Jesus began to both do and teach, you know, do and teach. That's what the Bible said. You know, so we, we lean more to the Paulian stuff. Yeah, we don't really we don't have that foundation, you know, a lot of times of of how did Jesus handle sinners? How did he deal with them? And did he deal with them like we deal with them? You know, and and we got to really begin to really, you know, we because a lot of times you're not, you're not, you can't give them Paul. Yeah. They ain't ready for Paul. We oh. got to give them Jesus, Yeah. right? <laughs> you know, and then what will happen is if we give them Jesus, then they'll begin to want to know more because the Holy Spirit will begin. I really believe the word of God is still powerful. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, and one area I had to really get into, the Lord rebuked me so bad. He said, he said, you don't trust that my word still has power. You think you got the power. Mm. I'm going to let that settle in. 
You think <laughs> you think you can do it, or you need to force something. Let my word work, right? Trust, trust that my word still works. And that was one of the hardest things because I didn't grow up like that. I grew up that we need to go grab you, lay hands on you, shake your head around, get you all oiled up and grazed up, as my mama would say. And 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 then your deliverance is going to come. I yeah. guarantee you, uh, deliverance does come through the laying on of hands. I believe that. But you really want to see somebody delivered, man, get them that word and step back and let the word do its work. Yep. You know, sometimes you just got to sow seed and watch that harvest come up. That's it. You know, the Bible says that the word is the, uh, the, the, the word is the seed, you know, uh, in the parable of the sower. Uh, he said that the, the, the word was the seed. But we got to be careful how we sow, yep. how we sow the word. And if we don't sow the word paying attention to how we're sowing, sowing the word, if we're just casting our word everywhere, you know, and it's, we, don't, we, don't, we don't see where it's falling. You know, we're not managing correctly. You know, that was one thing that um, we, we just had a series not too long ago uh, about um, the sower and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and sowing seed. And, and the one thing the Lord showed me through that was, is that um, that seed was meant for a specific place in a specific timing in order for it to be prosperous. And we're just throwing seed out everywhere. I'm saved. Here goes some seeds, you know, instead of being a responsible farmer, you know. And, and tilling the ground, loving yeah. on folk, yeah. breaking up that fallow ground. Here, here's the seed of the word. I'm planting this right here. I'm planting order. The word garden in the Hebrew means order. Yeah. Right. Sowing it, man, sowing it and watching it grow, watching it, you know, watering, you know, doing what, you know, doing all this stuff. And we need to learn how to do it and just trust God. Yeah. You know, and just trust God that God will. Um, God will turn it around. But I think a lot of people, you know, we want to we want to share our convictions so quickly with people. And we do it sometimes before their season of reception is there. Yes. You know, and I because I've been guilty of that. You know, I'm like, OK, now you got to <laughs> you got to do better now. Yeah. You know, you, you can't whatever. But it doesn't work. And people and a lot of times they equate that to trauma. They account accountability to trauma accountability to the word to trauma yeah. and it, yeah you just said a keyword i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off you just no you're fine you're fine that's a keyword or that accountability because yeah. even not even let's even leave the word out of it yeah i found even just me having conversations with those within the church that when i say hey you know the word says this you might want to kind of a kind of tell a bit well is you you you've been like this all right now. It ain't about me. I'm just trying to let you know this is what the words say. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you getting off and getting yourself into some trouble. I'm just, me being if you say I'm your brother, you say I'm your friend, I'm trying to hold you accountable because I don't want to see you go down the wrong path. Yeah. I, I even find and there's no disrespect to anybody, but I've just found that having those conversations, that having that accountability with people, they they tend to get a little offensive about it. But I'm like, if I'm willing to do this to you, I, I expect the same thing from me. Yeah. You know, like, like the Bible said, like Jesus said, judge not unless you be judged with the same measure that you judge, it will be given yeah. to you. So, you know, I, I just believe in that standard. You know, if, if yeah. I'm going to hold you accountable, I expect you to hold me accountable as well. And I, I right. think accountability has just become a cuss word. Maurice, these folk has grown and you can't tell these grown folk now. That's, that's, that's it's, it's your fault. Yep. It's your fault. You should let them uh, just live. Um, so somebody told me something uh, a few weeks ago that really bothered me, but it's 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 true. A lot of people in the church, um, 
have gotten to the point where uh, they've seen people get away with stuff mm. for so long and nobody says nothing to them. So when it comes their time to do whatever, they want to get away with it too. Mm-hmm. So if somebody holds them accountable, instead of feeling like, man, God chastens those he loves. And I have a brother that just that just held me accountable to the word of God because the, he sees where my future is going. You know, I can, you know, I, I can receive that. No, I'm grown. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. All the, mo- the other folk over there and got away with it. Why shouldn't I be able to? And and that is that's an immature, but that but what it sh- shows us is that um how how have we how are we maturing in the word of God? Yeah. What are we doing with the word of God? You know, when we receive it, you know, when we're, you know, we're, you know, this is what I, I go back to this thing. We danced and shout, we shouted for years. I grew up in the Pentecostal Holiness Church, right? And and I was so happy to be at the Baptist church so I could dance. And 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 I used, and I could I could do it, man. I, I was rough back in the day, right? I had a dance on me. Maurice, I was, I was, I was trouble, man. I was trouble. I that's how I got my wife, because I could dance, right? <laughs> and and we would run the aisles and and we couldn't, we could not tell you anything substantial mm. about Jesus Christ. All we knew was he you know, all that's all we knew. Right. We could not tell you anything substantial concerning the gospel or the love of God. And we and we would watch this. We couldn't be accountable. Um, we had the Holy Ghost, but wasn't even accountable to it. Ain't that something? Mm. <laughs> Ain't that something? You 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 the gift, the gift got you, but the spirit don't. Mm. Can you say that one more time? The gift got you, but the spirit don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's 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 ten ten. The one thing um, I would love to see the church do more. One, I, I'm I'm a unity person. Yeah. Um, of course, you've heard my disdain for denominations. Um, so I, we're gonna get into that uh, in a, a episode down the line, right. but. Um, the one thing that I, that kind of gets under my skin a little bit is that, like, I mean, you literally drive down Spartanburg, you'll see a church on every street corner. Um, you have a Methodist, a Lutheran, and whatever they are. And the one thing that gets me is, are we, we're not making the we're not making the quite the impact that we should be making in society because I think that we're too divided yeah um the one thing that i want to see is like because think about it back in the day back in the day growing up when you had community meetings where were they at church church at church do we see that do we see that nowadays Mm -hmm. we don't um you know when it comes to like around voting time you know some some people are like ah bell in voting ah but you know some people don't have transportation to the actual polling place yeah you know one thing that the church could do is be a bridge there it's like oh we have some church buses we got some hey we, look so this community for here from this time to this time we'll have availability to pick you yeah. up and you do a vote I don't care who you vote for we're just gonna pick you up and take we just we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a, provide a service right yeah you know what I'm saying it's like like it's be the need. 
but for like see a need, fulfill a need. Yeah. That's something that the church needs to do a lot more. Yeah. And on, on a greater scale, because yeah. like we've like I've said, we've had a conversation before. How is it that a church that we down the corner can have a men's ministry uh event and we don't partner with, we don't attend. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all about pride sometimes. I think it it's, like pride is a big thing. It's a you big know? thing. We have a whole it's month. A big thing. We have a whole month they can do it. But um but i'm just saying though like i mean it comes in various shapes yeah. and forms various shapes and forms and i think Absolutely. that uh, we like i mean if you think about it you know protestants split off from the catholic roman catholic church mm-hmm. and it just starts going from there um mm-hmm. i've been doing a little research but you know what i'm saying like my thing is we uh, if, if Jesus is the central the message, I don't care if you're Methodist, Lutheran, or whatever. Jesus is the method. He is, I don't care your method of preaching. Is you are you yeah. preaching Jesus? If Jesus is it, it don't matter if we partner with we should be able to partner with this church, this church, this church, this oh, this church got an event. Let's make an effort to attend that, or at least in a representative from our church to attend that. And it shouldn't matter what color, it what don't. skin color the church is. And it shouldn't. And that's right. another, that's another thing. That's another thing. Why people look at us? Y'all dysfunctional amongst y'all selves. How in the world am I gonna join y'all? Come on now. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, come on. Absolutely. It's, we we as the body of Christ have to get out of the four walls be in these streets we need training to effectively do that too because yeah. certain places that you got to be you better be spirit-led before you go to yeah yeah so you're not you don't just pop up boy is it safe to go the, the holy spirit say go i i have a hedge of protection around you for this cause yeah. go you know what i'm saying but like it's like it grieves me because one we're so we're so divided and I know for a fact that we can make a better, we more. We it, but we preach it from the same book. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's the yeah. problem. I don't care yeah, if you're, I don't care. I'm, I don't care if you have a 150 choir. I don't have you have two people that sing praise and worship. I don't care. It's like my thing is if the if the gospel is the gospel and we are mm-hmm. preaching the gospel, end of story. Like it doesn't matter where what church house is coming from. Like we should be able yeah. to. Like we should have a network of like churches that, when there's a cause, you know, Miss 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 Mary so Miss Mary Mary Sue down the road, her house needs to be repainted. Like, and we know she's on a fixed income because she's disabled. Yeah. You know, her shutters are hanging sideways. Like, we somebody should come out with her some hammer and some nails from the church. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, we that's a, that's the reason why we should be. In a lot of um, professions, we have plumbers at churches, we have electricians at churches, we have carpenters, we have whatever Mm -hmm. you think about. We have lawyers, doctors, all this stuff. And the thing is, when we have all every people from representative kingdom representatives in these different job functions, we have resources available. So, like I said, if Miss Mary Sue, if her stuff is hanging sideways. Hey, let me go fix that for you. 
no questions asked, no free of charge, all that stuff. I mean, sometimes that we have to sacrifice time. Like, yeah. you know, and I'm going to catch flack for saying this. Sometimes you might have to cancel the, the family trip one year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you, sh- I'm not, I'm, I'm not telling you to do that, but let's think about the bigger picture here. If I cancel my family vacation, which I allocated funds to, but I see there's a cause that I could use that money to, hey, let's 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 be a light in this situation because we don't know the type of impact that could happen from us allocating that money to that need yeah. for someone else. We don't know. That could go a yeah. long way. Yeah. If it does, I mean, if if a person comes to Christ, okay, cool. If they don't, okay, cool. But so to see. there you go. Yeah. And a lot of times, like sometimes we have to get out of out of self, put self aside, and and serve. But you know, I think it's 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 usually some kind of um, momentous thing that brings people together, and that's one of my. It's kind of like gives me anxiety a little bit because I'm wondering now what is going to have to bring us together. Right. Um, the last thing that brought us together was the civil rights movement, because you saw that with the civil rights movement. You saw that with the Montgomery bus boycotts. You saw all different types of ministry leaders and different types of ministries get together. And they had one cause, you know, they had one thing. Uh, and nobody was necessarily trying to be the leader, even though they had leaders, you know, the SCLC and all of that. Mm-hmm. But no one was trying to get the glory. Right. No one was trying to be the top guy necessarily. Um, they what they did was they put up the most effective people to be able to speak to the crowd. They had people for every every part of that movement, and I think if we can and that, and that's an apostolic you know we that's an apostolic movement you know where no matter where you come from you know wherever whatever your hands find to do and you're good and you moving excellent there lead that lead the people there, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm wondering what's going to be, what's going to be the thing that's going to pull us together. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the thing that's going to pull the remnant together. Um, you know, and I believe this, I believe this is it. I believe this Roe v. Wade and some of the other things. I just told the people last night, we had prayer um, with eHub and, and I told the people, I said, there is, there are some things that are coming upon the earth through the government that you're you're not gonna don't get afraid don't be afraid you know and the lord just kept saying don't be afraid of what's coming because it's not over right um this thing is supposed to this thing is supposed to these things are supposed to happen me and my wife had this conversation yeah these things are supposed to happen you can't legislate your way out of this there are certain things that are supposed to come upon the earth they're just supposed to happen the, this this pride stuff is supposed to happen, right? Yeah. Right. It won't be water, but fire next time. It's the rainbow sign. If this ain't prophetic, I don't know what is. I got the bag of skittles right here to prove it. You, you got to. We have to see the spiritual aspect of all this stuff happening. Yeah. We got to. But I believe it's going to pull us together, and it's going to pull a remnant together um, that are going to be from. It's going to be that Catholic dude. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be that, uh, that you know, that Lutheran, you know, it's going to be that Mormon, possibly, you know, whatever. Um, it's one of the best, you know, um, 10 years ago, I could have never been a faith to faith. Can I tell you why? Why is that? 
I would have never been at Faith to Faith 10, maybe 15 years ago, because I grew up apostolic oneness. Mm. Right? We baptized in Jesus' name, Acts 2 and 38. Mm -hmm. We used to war against what we call the Father, Son, Holy Ghost folk. It's a war against them. Never in my wildest imagination. You know what the Lord showed me? And he showed me through a process of time. He said, you're arguing about doctrinal things and nobody's getting saved. You're, all, you're arguing about baptism and nobody got saved. Mm. Right. Mm. So I'm a testimony within myself that I know people can work together and they might have different faith or doctrinal backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Right. There is nobody I love more than my pastors. I love I love my pastors. I love my church family. I, I've yeah. never felt I've never felt what I felt what I feel now. Yeah. I've never felt that before. Right. And this is from a this is from an Acts 2 and 38 boy, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I know people can work together. I know they can do it. I know they can. You know, it's the thing of, are you willing to deny yourself, take mm -hmm. up your cross and follow Jesus? Because if everybody's denying themselves, if everybody's picking up their cross, and if everybody's following, following Jesus, then we're all advancing the kingdom and we're all advancing his ministry when we deny ourselves. Yes. Okay. I have another question, but I'm gonna, I think I need, but this one, it might cause a little too much of a stir. I'm a, but I do want to ask you though, I'm waiting till we get off the mic, till we stop recording. I'm, I'm being honest. <laughs> okay. I'm ask after the, uh, but. All right. He, you scared me though. You get this look on your face. Like, oh my God. What are you going to say? That's what he does. It's like, dude, <laughs> I'll be like. Sorry. Bro. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Apostle. Thank you so much for joining us. If there's, you have the floor, anything you feel like you feel led just to say to somebody that might be watching when we premiere this, or they might be listening on the replay, you have the floor. Is there anything you want to leave with the people just to encourage them? The floor is yours. The only thing I want to say is how important it is that we uh, be cognizant of what our issues are. And, and really be honest about what we need to lay on the altar so that we can get closer to God, right? Um, so, we can, so we can know him, um, not just after a religious experience, but that, so we can know him in the power of his resurrection and even the fellowship of his suffering. That is the most important thing that I could tell anyone uh, at this point in time that we really need to get over ourselves uh, and that we need to seek the Lord with everything we have. Uh, as I'm getting older, I, I'm, I'm really cognizant of the time that I wasted. So what I tell young people, we talked about millennials. What I tell young people now is take stock in the time that you have as a young person. Mm -hmm. Because you really don't know if tomorrow might be your last day. But take stock in that time. Take stock in your relationship with God. It is so you're here for a reason, and that reason is to bring God glory and and to advance his kingdom in the earth realm. What are you supposed to be doing? Get to doing it. Get to loving God like you've never loved him before and lay aside every weight, right, and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run this race with patience. I just want to encourage, encourage the body of Christ to keep on with Jesus and, and listen, go even harder. 
this is the season to go hard, go hard in the paint. I believe that's what you young people say to play basketball. Go hard in the paint. I used to be a Lakers fan. I'm still in. But go hard in the paint. You know, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, go hard in the paint, man. It's time that we really, um, that we really show forth um, that, that great and effectual grace that is in us to permeate through the nations. So that's all I got. That's all I got. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Apostle. Yes. Hey, thank um, y'all, man. Y'all look, this is another episode of High Definition Podcast. I'm Maurice. I'm Therese. Y'all remember to live life. From the highest definition. We'll catch y'all next episode.